inside the recording studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me is Mr. Chris Hellstrom, as always. How you doing, Chris? As always, I'm doing pretty good. That's, How are you doing, Jody? I'm I'm doing all right myself. I am barefoot at the moment in the studio. Good thing you can't see that because I probably have heinous toenails. I'm just kidding. Oh, again, <laughs> overshare, man. Overshare. That's, that's kind of the point of this. We're oversharing about everything we do that's in terms right. of recording mostly. Yeah, well, hopefully. But as we like to say, it's not unlikely that there will be some nonsense discussed. So. And, and toenails is definitely nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, firmly planted in that category. So, uh, yeah. So, um, and with that, today, we're going to transition into what are we talking about today, other than toenails? I'm done talking about your toenails now. Um, but we're going to talk about the 1176 compressor. That we're going to do a little right. bit more of a deep dive into it today and how you and I use it, a little bit of the history of it, hardware and software. So, um, should be fun. I think so. Where shall yeah. we start? We should start by saying, what kind of compressor is the 1176? And if you have never heard of the 1176 before, we feel sorry for you. But this episode should change all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think um, um, when you talk about 1176, it's one of those like series of numbers that just means something to people that, that do recording and stuff. It's like a secret handshake code for recording <laughs> engineers. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. If somebody doesn't know that, that's somebody that you don't want in your life. No, uh, <laughs> don't associate with you kind of people. Yeah, no, but, um, in all seriousness, it is a, um, a very classic sort of compressor. Um, classic because it came out when, First one came out, I believe, in 1968, Ooh. and um, that would have been classic year. Yeah. yeah, that would have been um, the Ure Universal Audio version, right? And uh, what makes this one a little special? It, it's a really, really, really fast compressor, and it's well, certainly fast in terms of its attack ratio or its ability yes. to start clamping down on things. Yes, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's very fast, a um, little bit more flexible, shall we say, on, on the release, or at least a wider range. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, we, we'll talk about numbers here in a second, but um, it, it imparts a certain sound, and um, it, some people would argue that anything that you put through it would make it sound cooler or better. <laughs> yeah. so, what goes uh, in sounds better on the way out. Yeah, what comes, yeah. Exactly. Um, but it is a, at least the original ones were a uh, solid state compressor. No All transistors secure. Circuit, say that 10 times fast. All transistors circuitry. Yeah. And no um, went through a few revisions. Um, yeah, but but I think that the, the big ones that we think about is what's known as the, the blue stripe. Uh, which is was the original one. Mm, yes. Um, and um, then the, we obviously those are still in use today in a lot of studios. Like, well, all of these are. Well, <laughs> you yes. know, um, if you are lucky enough to own, own the hardware version, you've got a piece of history. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think uh, uh, 
Andrew Shep said in an interview once that, you know, when they were in his studio and he had his racks and racks and he had all his 1176s and all his outboard gear, he said, yeah, that, that's my retirement account right there. You know? <laughs> so, um, they do go for the, a lot of money on those original yeah, units. Yeah. Yeah. They do that. But, but, uh, so moving on from the, um, the blue stripe, we came into the, what's known as the black face, which is black as it were, hence the name. Yes. Um, and, um, the goal with that, from my understanding, was that they wanted to make it a little bit friendlier sounding. It's a little bit cleaner. Um, the Blue Stripe has, it's quite aggressive, shall we say. Um, so this was t to make it sound a little bit cleaner. That kind yeah, of thing. cleaner. And, uh, yeah. Um, and, and they do, we'll go into this later on, but when we're talking about the software world, that there, there is a difference in, in the way that these have been emulated as well, as, as one would expect. Right. Uh, um, and then the last revision, I think, which at least to my knowledge is, is sort of like the little lesser version, or not lesser version, but certainly lesser known version, mm, I would say. Yeah. At least, in my, at least in my world, a limited view of them. Uh, but that's just the silver face. And that was the last one that I think that um, silver. Universal and Ure did before silver the reissues. Um, silver. Silver. Yeah. Um, there was a company called, or was, there is a company called Purple Audio that uh, started reproducing these, again, reissues of these in the 90s, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are more sort of like modern takes on these. Um, I guess um, reading up on this a little bit, they realized that there were a lot of these old units coming into repair shops, you know, that, that had at this point, obviously, they've been in use for, you know, conservatively probably 20 to 25 years, right? So a lot of repairs and they said, hmm, okay, well, maybe we should start manufacturing these again. And that, there was a company called Purple Audio that did those. Right. Um, and um, also um, Retro Instruments have one as well that, that and, and they, you know, they, they're, as one would expect, a little bit more um, modern construction. So they might have some functionality that was not present on the original boxes. Um, the original ones, yeah. There's but, also but there, a stomp box called the Cali 76. That's right. That's right. So that is um, to emulate the 1176 for guitar players before there were maybe they do it after their guitar amp, but uh, yeah, to compress your yeah. If you again. if you want that kind of sound on on your your on the floor as it were in your guitar rig, uh, you can, yeah, it, it would be a little bit uh, I think over the top having you know especially if you're running a stereo rig, right? You got two 1176s sitting in the bottom of your rack. and you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Like you get real pricey real fast. It, it, it can, yeah. Um, so um, that's sort of like, maybe we should talk a little bit about, you know, how we would apply these or how we would use them. Or why are they so popular? Well, yeah. the first, but maybe before we even get into that, we might want to just discuss a few things that we've kind of glossed over. We've talked about the fact that it's an all transistor uh, circuitry type compressor, which is otherwise known as an FET type of uh, piece of gear. FET. Right. Uh, yep. It is an ultra fast gain reduction 
they yeah. call it a limiting amplifier, I guess they call it in a sense. Yeah, peak limiting amplifier, yeah. And in previous so. episodes, I tend to refer to the 1176 more as a limiter than a compressor, but it is a limiting compressor. Yeah. Uh, in addition to that, why they call it a very fast or ultra fast uh, type of system is because its actual attack times range from 20 microseconds to 800 microseconds so not milliseconds not milliseconds microsecond. microseconds so it is extremely fast uh right. for certain applications depending yeah. and, and everything is below a microsecond up to 0.8 of a millisecond the release yeah. as you mentioned is substantially wider on its range uh it releases anywhere from 50 milliseconds which is mm -hmm. substantially longer than the microsecond to up to about a little over a second yeah at its lengthiest release right so that's the reasoning behind why it's like to me more of a limiter than a compressor because it is so ridiculously fast on how it can clamp down on sounds yeah uh, but it is still considered a limiting compressor or a limiting amplifier type. Yeah, I think the, the the terminology came about from that just limiting peaks. Right, so peak limiting peak amplifier. Limit. That's right. Yeah, peak compress peak, <laughs> peak much and like we're talking right now. Peaks. That's yeah. right. So, so um, the other thing too is if we just kind of delve in just a little bit on these different revisions, the blue stripe which is silver face with this big blue stripe on it. Yeah, had the VU a, meter there type of thing. Yep. Yep. Had a couple of different uh, incarnations with the revision A, which was the very beginning. Then yep. they went with the A, B, and the B. So there's three different versions of the blue stripe that are kind of out there originally yeah. by Ure Universal Audio. Yep. Then there is the black face. And yeah. while most people refer to it as revision E, there were multiple revisions of that with C <laughs> through the letter G. Count yeah. that up on your own hand. And right. then uh, there is yet another revision by Universal Audio that is known as the AE. And it's not like trying to combine the original blue face A and the revision E version. It is called the AE because it's called the anniversary edition. The Ooh. big difference on the AE version of the 1176 is that instead of having the four type of ratio buttons, because it does have four different ratios that you can use individually, and mm -hmm. up until the AE, it was four to one, eight to one, 16 to one, and 20 to one on its compression ratio. Mm -hmm. With the anniversary edition, it's a little bit different it's two to one four to one eight to one twenty to one look at that i learned something today i didn't know that there was a two to one yeah <laughs> yes that's why the ae is that that the extra special anniversary edition is because it's it's got the smallest ratio of ability in two to one instead of an immediate four to one on right that. now in addition to that uh We'll get into this a little later, but you can go beyond those four settings for the ratios. Yeah, yeah. And uh, let's, um, I guess we can talk about it now, but but one issue that, or issue, one sort of functionality that um, we, we'll go in more as well, but we talked about how they have certain characteristic, you know, th yes. they, they impart on the sound. So 
you can actually run through these units and bypass the compression just yes. to import that sound as well. So uh, just it, it's, you know, what is, you, just you know, and people are known to do that. Yes. Yeah. And, and um, you can do it subtly or you can do it not so subtly, but yeah. Uh, so you can do that as well. Um, but you, well, now that I sort of let the, the, you know, the you know, actually, the I should probably say one more thing about the anniversary edition that I just spaced on. Uh, not Huge only brother. does it have a lower compression ratio of a two to one, it also has a super slow attack mode, so to speak. Um, 10 milliseconds. Ooh, that's, that's an eternity. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That, that, yeah. I, again, I've learned two things today. I got to listen to this podcast more often. <laughs> um, you might learn something, Chris. Yeah, right. Um, that's interesting. I, I honestly didn't know that. Yes. That is, so is that the, um, but is that the one that came out then at, when did that come out? Was that, that's not the reissue then in 2000 or whatever, or is this, when, when did that come out? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I did not I'm putting research. putting on the spot here, I know. Uh, it's 40 years after the original. So, okay, so if 68, that would be 2008, 98? 2008, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somewhere See, in I that range yeah. uh, is when that came out, yeah. Okay, so that that is the more modern, air quote, version of that then, yeah. Yes, sir. 40th anniversary edition. Right. And of course, there's, you know, besides the companies that we mentioned now, there are um, Multiple several companies more that make them. Yeah, they make them now. And there's even, you know, kits that if you're handy with soldering iron, that kind of thing, that you can actually build them. Um, there's a guy in uh, Germany has a, a great website called um, Mixed by Mozart. Mm. It, he goes by, he, was, he did, did an episode in his studio where I think his uh, studio partner or assistant had built a couple of some of these kits and uh, really, really enjoyed them. So that's another route if you want to go the pure hardware route. But, pure uh, hardware. And right now we're about to transition. We're going to transition from talking about the pure hardware. And before we transition into what we're about to talk about with the 1176, we're going to take a moment for a word from our sponsors. All right, and we're back. We are going to be talking about software versions of the 1176 at this point. Sure. So as one would expect, there's a lot of different versions of these as well. Yes, um, there are. <laughs> and this is by no means an, an exhaustive list, but um, I'd be remiss to actually probably mention off the top of my There might have been others as well, but when I first became aware of these in the software world um, was the the waves versions mm -hmm. like the the cla bundle that had the 1176 both his blue stripe and the black face and a couple of other ones in there but since we're talking about that so, so that would be the chris lord algae versions that by would the yeah way. that'd be the chris lord algae yes or is um, it chris lord algae 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 that, that, that's the way he says it anyway so i'm assuming he is right um, but, um, you're a universal audio guy. So yes. they obviously have their version. That is correct uh, with the, they actually have quite a few versions of the 1176 in their Apollo software. Yeah. Uh, they have the 1176 
LN legacy version. They have an LNSE legacy version, which is the special edition. Uh, they have uh, the 1176 AE, the 1176E blackface, and the 1176A blue stripe. So there's about, yeah, five different applications of 1176 limiters in the Apollo software. So pick your flavor. That's yeah. right. Um, yeah, I am. I would be remiss to not mention Slate because I'm a Slate user. That's right. Um, and there as well, there's um, a couple of different, there's three different versions in that package. There's, you know, sort of like the blackface, there's the blue stripe, and then there's one that is, again, air quotes here, a modern version of that, <laughs> which has, um, it, it's essentially a modded uh, blue stripe that again has a little bit of a um, slower attack time. So that can be, you know, used as well. And different versions there with, uh, you know, that we have in the software world with, you know, low pass filters before it hits the, you know, the the, uh, the compression stage and mm. that kind of thing and, yes. and all that. But we'll go into functionality a little bit. I just recently tried out as well. I mentioned Purple Audio. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they actually do the hardware unit, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, how Brainworks, another favorite company of mine, um, have a software version of that one as well. And, the uh, MC77? There you go. Why would they call it the 77 and not the 76, though? That's a little strange. Um, I think they did that just because it was an update on it. Mm. And I don't think they possibly couldn't even call it the seven the 1176. But MC is obviously Roman numerals for 1100. So gotcha. 1177. See what they did there? Crafty. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. but, but that's another great version. And obviously with software, there's some functionality that were not present in the original hardware, versions, hardware right. units. Unless they were modified. Unless they were modified, yeah. Um, so. but, but there are others... You know, T-Rex makes one. There's, you know, I think everybody pretty much makes an 1176. There's Well, there's two. one that even comes inside Logic. There's two that even comes inside well, Logic. Well, yeah, it's it's two, yeah. but it's in the Logic compressor. They have yeah. two different settings that represent two different versions of the 1176. They have the yeah. Studio FET, which uh -huh. is probably closest to the revision e blackface version yeah. and then they have the vintage fet setting mm -hmm. which is a lot like the revision a blue stripe yeah and those are you know getting those characteristics but in logic there um you have instead of going for complete emulation um you have more flexibility yeah, when more it comes to the attack those, and release yeah. and that, yeah. that, that kind of stuff, right? So so they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Um, and that's because it's a classic. Yeah, and it, and it sounds <laughs> good. Funny and how that is. Yeah, so that there there's there's a reason why everybody emulates them, right? Just like in any other software world, but why is it everybody got the Juno 8 synthesizer revision or a Moog or, or why is people trying to do a Marshall emulation with apps? Because they're, they're good and exactly. people like that kind of sound. Well, and the so, other thing to think about, it, what, and just kind of describing why people pick up on certain things, it's either the sound of the, of the unit itself mm -hmm. or it's the ease of use. There's that as well. Yeah. The ease of use. And that's, that's where the 1176 is pretty darn uh, cool. Yeah. 
So tell us a little bit about the controls that we have on the... There's the an input music. knob where you can go from zero to infinity on your input, <laughs> which yeah. is pretty good range of, of volume gain that you can yeah. add to this signal that you're sending it through. There's an output knob that you can then take it from no output to as loud as the 1176 will go. Right. Uh, beyond that, we have the attack and release knobs. Mm-hmm. And those allow you to set those on the attack, that very small range of 20 to 800 microseconds, or if you have yeah. the AE version, the 10 milliseconds. Uh, yeah. And then the release knob runs from obviously 50 milliseconds up to 1.1 seconds in terms of what it does. The thing about the those knobs, though, is that really important. the really important thing about these dial knobs for the attack and the release is that most compressors... If you're at zero, that's your slowest setting. Or in this case, the one, right? The yeah. one, yeah, or, mm -hmm. or wherever you're going to start. The interesting thing about the 1176, these knobs are, quote unquote, backwards. Yes. Such that when it is rotated fully uh, left, yes. that's your slowest, that's like your slowest setting. On most compressors, that would be your fastest setting, Right. Is that is that the way? Am I explaining it right? Yeah, yeah. And then the, the if you're time, fully it, right, yeah, on the eleven seventy six with the attacker release knob, fast. That is your fastest attack and your fastest release. Yeah. So for most people, they think that you're going to start at your fastest on the left and move to the slowest on the right. With the eleven seventy six, that is exactly backwards. It is the slowest on the left and fastest on the right. Yeah. So that is something that is very important to pay attention to. Yeah. When you're doing it's it. It's actually good. I, I would it. say as a workflow thing, it's probably a good idea when you start dialing those in that start with the sort of slowest attack, which would be completely left, left, counterclockwise. I have to think about this in my head to make sure <laughs> I say the right thing. Um, and, and with the release um, all the way up, right? So the longest release. And normally for a lot of compressors, that might be you're, you're catching very little, but... but this has such an important flavor. Yeah. Yes, so so it, it, that's a good place to start. Now, one thing with, with the input and um, output knob here, if if you're not aware or haven't worked with any of these, um, there is no threshold setting. No. It's a fixed threshold. So you're, the input knob will dictate how much compression you're getting. Or how much so, signal you're sending through the threshold that is already set in the unit. Right. Yeah, but... but you know, you, you raise the input level and you'll get more gain reduction, yes. which you can then compensate for with the output or however you want to drive the unit. But there is no threshold setting that you lower or, or raise on, on this. It's a set right. threshold. It is a so, set threshold. So you will use your input knob to determine how hard you're going to drive the unit, essentially. Yeah, right. And that's something we mentioned uh, when we talked um, about... Um, mixing vocals, I believe, when we talked about vocal compression and things, how the, uh, again, the Chris Lord Algae versions of these, they were set a default at his sweet spot. For what and he determines as a sweet spot. Well, for his, for his units, units, right, for his which units. is the one that's um, emulated, emulated, right, that how he would use essentially the clip gain heading into the plug-in, in this case, uh, to, to get his desired 
peak reduction uh, without doing that. So it, it's right. a little bit of, of a you know different way of working, I guess. Sure, but it's something that you can mess around with. But but normally it'd be the input that that tells you how much compression you'd be getting by how hard you're hitting it. Right. Yeah. There are eight other things that we need to talk about in terms of the controls on this unit. Let's four do of them. It. Four of them are the ratio buttons. Yes. So there are four ratio buttons, mm-hmm. and. In most units, that is four, eight, 16, and 20 choices. Four yep. to one, eight to one, 16 to one, 20 to one on your compression ratios. Yeah. Then on the anniversary edition, as mentioned earlier, it's two, eight, uh, two, four, eight, and 20, I think is the four choices on the anniversary edition. In addition to that, People would do crazy stuff with the ratio buttons and they would actually push in two of them at the same time or three of them at the same time or all four of them at the same time. And that actually causes the unit to do drastically different things Mm -hmm. with the compression ratio. So there's a lot of experimentation that can be done fairly easily with the 1176 by mm-hmm. switching in and out multiple ratio buttons. Now, I don't think this was how it was originally intended to ever be used. It was yeah. just one of those happy accidents that somebody probably went and shoved all the buttons in at one point. And it was considered the all buttons in version that is like really drives a certain character into the sound. And I mean, it really grinds it, it's, grinds yeah. it in there. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, because I think also, like you said, there was the possibility then, like as you said, we normally have like four, eight, um, 16, four, and eight 16, and 20, right? So if you press four and eight, that would be a 12 to one ratio type of thing. But I do think the threshold reacts a little bit differently. I I, I might be wrong on this, but I do think it's not, um, I think the threshold of the compression is dependent on the ratio as well. So you might have to experiment with that a little bit. I don't think it's, it's for one of a better phrase, I don't think it's linear. In that right. Way. And that being said, there is one other way that these buttons can be used on the ratio buttons. And that is no buttons pushed in at all, which mm-hmm. you kind of hinted at where you could just use it without the compression. Right. On the other side of the VVU meter, there's four more buttons and those are dealt or, or dealing with the way the actual meter is going to run. And it's, you can set it for how much gain reduction so you can see how much you're crushing the signal. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you can also set it for the various types of outputs or you can turn it off in terms of yeah. how much output in terms of like the the amount of uh, signal that you got, whether you're doing a plus four type of situation or whatnot. So you can use this in other environments other than the studio in that regard and still right. be able to meter with it. Yeah, but that that's one of your you're essentially different ways of viewing what the VU meter is, is doing, doing or, yeah. or the virtual VU meter at this point, right? So you can keep an eye on that. I think um personally 99.95 times of a hundred, <laughs> I'm I'm watching my gain reduction. I'm on a, that. I, I don't yeah. think I've ever used any of the other settings. I literally look at to see how much it's gain reducing. I yeah. Beyond that, I'm using my ear for the volume level. Yeah, right. And uh, as compressors as a whole, um, that's something that I know that I used to make that mistake very 
often early on where um, the more you compress generally if you don't com or, um, compensate with the output you you get a louder signal so, so oh that sounds <laughs> yes. better so that's great so you're just ending up basically boosting levels so uh well because is louder is better man louder is more more is yeah. better less is not more less is less more is more damn it that's right so compress the <laughs> crap out of them and just just but but it, it is easy to fool yourself especially if you're a being your compressed signal to the dry signal. Correct. Um, so you you do want to make sure that you, you you match your levels when you're working with any compressor, really. But but this is obviously no exception. Um, no exceptions. So and, the, yeah, and in my controls, yeah. In my my discussion of using the ratio buttons, that is considered the special ways of using it when you're using multiple buttons at once. Yeah. Right. Or and, the no uh, button method. Right. And one thing that is obviously different in the software world now, as opposed to um, the old hardware units, where they were just mono units, mm. uh, they, they weren't stereo units. So if you, you wanted to run them, let's say, on a whole mix, well, you needed to have two. Two, right? yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. One for each side. And then hopefully they were set up or built so similarly that you wouldn't notice the difference on side to right. side. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but today we have op obviously options of, of running them just stereo or dual mono that kind of thing, and uh, the um, the Brainworks version of the MC seventy seven um, that I've been playing with a little bit has some additional functionality. You can you can actually do like a, a mid side thing with it, where you can even what? spread the stereo field. Yeah, um, and um, so the, the, there's additional benefits to, to that, if that's something that, that you want to do. Um, yes. But it's a really, really cool sounding. So probably on, I think what we should do for the uh, Two Minute Tuesday, mm -hmm. um, because it's it's hard to talk about, you know, the sound of something. We should probably play some audio clips, how we might use an 1176, just so we can have kind of like an A and B uh, signal there. So for for uh listeners to, to actually hear that if they haven't used them before so i think that might be yes a good i idea. agree with that that would be a good two minute tuesday so pay attention to that that will be coming out this coming tuesday yes where you can hear examples of a b of the 1176 on say vocals or guitars or bass or drums or whatever yeah so speaking of usage where do you like to use it? Where do you? What's your the first one that you kind of go to? Get a shot glass ready because it's program dependent. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a swig of coffee. How about that? Cheers. <laughs> a little cheers of tea for me. Uh, yeah, it, it's program dependent. And my first introduction to the difference of an eleven seventy six came in the studio with. Mr. George Leger, actually. Um, yeah. Another mention, shout out to George, who is a fantastic recording and mixing engineer in his own right. Absolutely. Um, we compared the vocal sound of a C12, which is the mic that you're actually hearing me through for this mm -hmm. podcast, running through a an Avalon, 11, um, Avalon 737 SP, 
And then we ran it through an 1176. And on the particular song that I had first done this kind of AB comparison from one unit to another of two completely different compressors, um, it was like, wow, the way it imports <laughs> parted. It was like, you know what? That fits the vibe of the song better using the 1176. It had a little bit more grit. It had a little bit more bite to uh -huh. the sound. And speaking of which, right now on this particular podcast, actually it's on all the podcast episodes, you are hearing the effect of an 1176, not only on my voice, but you're also hearing it on Chris's voice as well. So, uh, you're, you're hearing the, the product of an 1176 use <laughs> in this podcast. So Yay. there you go. And it's on all podcast episodes we've been using yeah. it. So, uh, yeah. Do you uh, remember what you were comparing it to? What was the other unit? The Avalon were... 737? No. The, you said you had the 1176 in conjunction with that. Oh, but are you... So no, this was my original compression. comparison was between running a C12 through an Avalon 737 and then running the C12 through an 1176. Oh, okay. I got so you. that's I, what I was I, hearing the difference of. I, and that's I where I was you, like, you, yeah. for that particular song where that first came like to my attention, it was like, whoa. Because I, you know, the Avalon 737 is no slouch of its own like mic pre compressor unit box. It's a fantastic box. Um, but when we ran that same vocal through an 1176 and tried out the 1176. It was like, to me, it was like, there's the sound of this song. Let's use the 1176 instead of the Avalon. Do you remember so, if it was a, uh, a blackface or a blue stripe or what, it was, what was the it? blackface? Yeah. So it was the cleaner of the two. It wasn't the, the blue face, which is considered a little bit more gritty. Uh, no, it was the blackface. So yeah. it still imparted enough grit in the, in the blackface version. And, and you know, thinking about that is that some is that a terminology that's going to go away now due to whole like the the political correctness and and blm uh, movement <laughs> just wondering um uh, just thinking out loud because uh, you know we're trying to get rid of all kinds of other things but here we are calling a particular uh box a particular terminology so um, strange I'm not going to touch that. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> so, I just did. And I'm going to pull back and just say the 1176 revision E uh, yeah. is the version that we uh, ran it through. And it just, it imparted such a nice vibe to the, to that song and that vocal. It was like, yep, that's, that's the, that's the ticket right there. So that's part of the reason for having different boxes in the studio, because you never know what's actually going to get exactly the right sound until you experiment with it. Yeah. So yeah. this is why certain bands will spend a week just getting the tones. <laughs> yeah. Of a recording before they even record something is because they spend the time, you know, setting up instruments. So if, if the guitar is going to be going through like a SM7 or a 57 and a Royer 121, well, are you going to run both of those mics through the same compressor? Or are you going to run any compression or are you going to try certain different things on that signal? Same thing with a vocalist. You know, you might have the right mic that accentuates the vocalist's natural tonality. Mm -hmm. But then when you add the compressor to it, are you adding the right compression? 
Yeah. Do you need something that's a little softer or do you need something that has a little bit more bite? So these are all questions that you have to ask yourself as you're kind of going through um, adding those. But we've already kind of discussed this in other episodes and we're trying to stick to the 1176 here now. So to answer your question, it really, as I said before, it's program dependent. There are times when I want something that has a real fast attack to it because I need that extra clamp that happens to just kind of bring the beef out in the sound. Mm hmm. So, yeah, uh, I do find myself using the 1176 more often on rock-based tracks or things that have a heavier vibe. That being said, I have also used it on straight-up acoustic tracks, like on acoustic guitar. It does a very lovely job on acoustic guitar. I agree. Absolutely. I I really like it on on acoustic guitars as well. Um, I like it on drums. Well, yeah, Drums have such a fast attack that the 1176 is almost like it was a match made in heaven for how fast a drum hit is and how fast the 1176 can yeah. deal with it. <laughs> it, it. It is really easy to uh, overdo it, though. Uh, because oh, yeah. You yeah, can, if you're not careful, you can just, you know, you're sitting there and you're listening. Oh, this sounds so exciting. And then all of a sudden there's no dynamics left in your, in your, in your drum tracks. But, again, another beauty of... Um, software versions of these that several of them have a mix knob so you're essentially doing like a parallel compression in the same channel strip where you can have um let's say a really aggressive setting on uh, a room track for example Mm -hmm. um where you can really really crush the room mics but then dial it back a little bit if you just want that effect and kind of mix that so yes uh, and as as a way of uh kind of expressing that I have channel strip presets Mm -hmm. that I use when I go from my tracking template to my mix template. And I will bring up like full presets for drums and other things. And the 1176 on drums, especially for the room mics, man, you can get some tasty tones out of room mics with the 1176. Yeah. And then you just dial it back because you want the the air and the space, but you don't want it to overpower the rest of the kit. Yeah. No, th- there's also another thing that, um, you know, as you're drinking here, I say it is con- content dependent, right? Yes. Um, where depending on the mix, now I'm, I've said this in the past, especially talking about drums, but um, a lot of times I won't use a room mic depending on the situation because it has the potential to fill up so much space but if you have let's say that you have a three piece or four piece or more of, of just like um let's say an indie rock band type of thing you kind of want that dirt of the room of, so it, it does an amazing job on that so my go-tos are usually vocals that's the first vocal mic i tend to do you mean vocal um, compressor Vocal compressor. Oh, I said vocal mic. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, I am not from your country. Um, yeah, you no, Swede. Uh, yeah, I know that's my cop out for everything when I say something stupid. Uh, <laughs> but no, as a vocal compressor, I, I do like the 1176. And depending on what works there and depending on the singer, it would be either um, the blue stripe or, you know, the blackface version. Um, and Again, content dependent, right? I do like it on acoustic guitars. Um, 
drums. Like I said, I will usually have it on, like I said, a room. Great for that. Um, I will a lot of times have it on like snare and kick, yep. but not as aggressive, but, but just to get that little extra snap out of those. But, but that's, you know, you can pretty much throw it on anything as long as you're careful enough, especially with the release knob, because yes. you can kill that pretty quickly. And it just sounds like a <laughs> typewriter, you know, get and, rid of uh, all the dynamics. Yeah. And it's just, there's no release either. And, um, if you go for an effect, cool, have at it. But, uh, it is very easy to, to overcook them. But uh, overall, I, I think um, the 1176 is a fantastic compressor. And uh, it certainly, in one way or another, finds itself into, oh, I dare say, just about every mix that I do. There's, <laughs> there, there's something there anyway that, that will have an 1176 on it. That Yeah, I would, I would tend to agree with that for a lot of... I, Maybe not quite as many as the high percentage as you, but at least 80% of my mixes probably has an 1176 somewhere, yeah. whether it's on an individual instrument or on a bus. Yeah. It can do really good stuff on um, percussion tracks as well. Yes. Like if you have, let's say if you have like a, something as a shaker or a tambourine that can be very sort of like spiky, you can just make poke those levels in a little bit and uh have that be a little bit more present yep. um so um yeah fantastic compressor and there you have it that is our kind of a deep 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 dive into the 11 the history of the 1176 the different types of the 1176 and us saying you should go get an 1176 and use the damn thing yeah, it, it, but please, please, please pay attention to your attack and release times. That's kind of like key for everything. Um, and um, but but yeah, it, it's a great, great sounding unit. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it that I would like to to call on that. Um, anything that you would like to add to that, Jody? I'm thinking about uh, next week's episode next week's episode we're going to be reversing the tables of last week's episode where you were asking <gasps> me questions about the biggest recording lessons ever learned this time i'm going to be asking you about your biggest recording lessons you've ever learned that's next ooh. week's episode ooh i'll have to stay think tuned. about that a little bit. Yes. yes stay tuned for next week i think we're going to say see you later <laughs>